Go ahead and turn your attention to the screen. He's going to redeem it all. He said he would. 
and we get to be a part of that. But in the midst of our fellowship coming back to life, there are so many great stories that are happening and have happened, and we get to hear and share all of those these next six or seven weeks. The subtitles that you will hear throughout this series are last week, Graves into Gardens, which is the overarching theme for the series. This week is Bones into Armies. Next week is Seas into Highways. You kind of get what's happening? And then Mourning into Dancing, Beauty for Ashes, and Shame into Glory. And so we're going to get to see how God rewrites our story for us when we hand it over to Him and let Him turn a sea that's like a wall that says, do not enter into a highway that says, I'll take this path. He's the way maker. He does it. But we get to tell the stories. And I hope that you're excited. Tonight we have a great story for you about bones and armies. And they'll be up here in just a second. But I'm going to give you a little context first. So we're going to turn all the way to the Old Testament in Ezekiel. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. But it's going to be on the screen for you. So you're welcome to just watch the screen. But if you brought your Bible, you're welcome to turn to that as well. We're going to be in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. So read along with me. Ezekiel's having a vision. Ezekiel was a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, and he's having a vision. The Lord has brought him to this place, and he's having a vision. And I actually hear from the Lord in visions. Some of you don't. Some of you do. So you can kind of understand where Ezekiel's coming from right now. He's having a vision, okay? The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel replies, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, Prophesy, meaning speak concerning these bones, and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you may come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel prophesied as he had been commanded. He says, while I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath, come from the four winds, and breathe into these skins so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, the breath entered them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet a vast army. And what started out as a valley of dry bones became life ready to be on mission. Much like you and me. Much like all of us, born in a sinful nature, just a valley of dry bones. And then we hear about the Lord and we choose to make him our savior. And he gives us tendons. And he gives us skin. 
And then he puts his spirit in us. And we go from being a dry bone that can do nothing but lay there to a life ready to be on mission. On mission for him. A life ready to tell others about the Messiah, about the risen Savior, about the Lord. Now one thing is clear about what happened here. Only God can do it. Only God can do it. I cannot make a dry bone an army. I want to sometimes want to. I sometimes I want my boys to clean their bedrooms when they're younger, right? Amen? I'm like, only God can do that too, it seems like, okay? <laughs> They'll be home this summer. We can't wait. They'll keep their bedrooms clean. But only God can make a bone into an army. Only God can take a life and turn it into something that wasn't, into something that is. Only God can do that. Only God can take what was old and make it new and take something that's not useful and make it useful and equip the unequipped and empower the powerless and give hope to the hopeless. And only God can raise a dry bone and turn it into an army. He's a good God. He has all the power and he can do it. And he has done it in me. I was talking to some friends last night and I was telling them I was one of those people that was completely transformed completely transformed. Much of the way that I thought changed fairly instantaneously. I don't know why, but that's kind of what happened. Now, it didn't mean that I didn't have temptation or didn't have desire, but I had a lot of mess in my life. And it was like, I desired more to know about God and honor Him because of all that He had done for me than I desired to please myself. It didn't mean that I wasn't tempted it didn't mean that I didn't struggle with that, but there was this longing inside of me to please God more than please myself. And I don't always get it right, and I didn't back then either. But I was one of those people that in that moment, I really believed God. When he said, I love you, I believed him. When he said, I did all of this for you, I believe him. And I think sometimes that, that, is, that is maybe a difference. I really believed him. And it tells us in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, what's the word? In him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, whether you believe it or not, he's already done all of that. Jesus doesn't have to die on the cross again, just so you'll believe it. It's already happened. And it was, it's enough. It's been once and for all. And when we believe in him, the power of that comes into us. Amen. The power of redemption and the power of resurrection is available to us. And I was one of those transformed, one of those transformed lives. And I pray that you are too. And whether it happened in your salvation moment, like me, or it was also a process for me, and it still is for me all the way to heaven, amen, all of us, but it, there was a little bit more transformation that happened for me in the moment, whether that's your story or not, I want you to hear me, keep believing. The finished work of the cross is finished, absolutely, but he's not done with you, so keep believing. He makes all things new on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday, and a Sunday. 
and he doesn't just need an altar to do it. He uses the altar at the church, but he used a bathroom in my broke down apartment back in the day, okay? And tonight you're gonna hear a story of three in the morning. The person wasn't at church that night. They'd been to church. And so have you, keep believing. He will make all things new. He will do the transformation in you that is worth the work. He is a from what was to is kind of God. You see, we go from a whosoever to who he says I am. We go from dead in our sin to alive in Christ. We go from a slave of this world to a child of the most high king. We go from a dry bone to a living army when we believe in him. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe, are you on that journey? It is so worth it. It is so worth it. This journey marked out for us, for each one of us, is so worth it. He is calling us to be bones into armies. And that might sound daunting for some of you. You're like, what do I have to do? Well, the same God that did for you just wants you to tell people about him. He just wants you to tell the story of what he did for you. We complicate it, don't we? We think we have to be theologians with degrees before we can talk Jesus at the lunch table. And you don't have to have it all together. People just want to know that this Jesus is real and that he's actually working in someone's life. They just want to know. Tell me your story. And so tonight, we're going to hear a story. And I can't wait for you to hear it. You guys welcome Karen and Dave Sturship to the stage. One of the things I love about sharing the stage with Karen and Dave Sturship is their daughter was one of my best friends when we lived here when I was in high school, their daughter Jennifer. And so I've known Karen and Dave for a long time and in different contexts. They were Jen's parents, you know what I'm saying? And Dave was, was mean. <laughs> Dave was awesome. Still is. And Karen, oh, check one, two. Let's check, make sure that's on. Let's try it again. Can you hear me? <laughs> and Karen, and, you know, she was always around with Jen and myself and just such a, such a present mom. And Dave was such a present dad. And honestly, they were great parents. They still are now grandparents since having so much fun. But I just consider this an honor to share the stage with you guys tonight and to hear the story and be part of the journey. It's just so cool. So are you ready to jump in? All right, let's make sure you're on too. Say hey. Hello. You guys give another round of applause. So introduce yourselves and tell them a little about you. Well, as she um, already mentioned, I'm Karen. I um, was pretty much born and raised Church of God. Uh, gave my heart to the Lord when I was maybe nine or ten years old and um, was in church, lived my life for the Lord um, all of those years. Uh, one day I met a handsome young boy in high school who played football. And I ran him off. <laughs> who played football. 
football and baseball, and I was a cheerleader, and we fell in love, and um, as soon as I graduated, he graduated a year before I did, but as soon as I graduated, we got married, had babies, and lived happily ever after. The only fly in that ointment was he was not living his life for the Lord. Um, we had a, a friend in high school who had shared salvation story with him, um, but he was a good man, and he loved me and, and our daughters um, with a fierce passion, and he provided for us, and he was a good, good man, but being a good, good man doesn't get you heaven, and I knew that. And um, I spent many, 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 many years praying for him. Um, the Lord had given me a promise early in our marriage that if I stayed true to him and continued doing what I needed to do and kept our girls in church and, you know, just stayed true to him, that one day David would come to the Lord. And um, I hung on to that promise for so many years, for about 35 years. And um, I knew that he, he was a firefighter, and I knew that, you know, if he were to die in fire and never have had the opportunity to tell me that he had taken that step, I, I knew in my heart that it would have happened in the middle of a fire or whatever. I, you know, I just, I had that promise from the Lord. Um, David always wanted us in church, wanted me in church, wanted the girls raised in church. You know, he was not opposed to that at all. He was happy to have us there. He would come occasionally, you know, if the girls had a program or something. Um, but uh, to fast forward a little bit, eventually I felt the Spirit changing my prayers. And instead of lead him to salvation, it was thank you for that salvation that I had not yet seen. Um, and, and, I wish at this point I could tell you how long that went on. Could have been a few months, could have been a year, I don't know. But my, but my, my prayer did change, and I think that was, um, that was spirit-led. So. Can I, can I make note of that? Do you hear that? I don't want you guys to miss it. This is not in our notes, I'm so sorry. Going broke here. I don't want you to miss it though. Um, such a teachable moment. She had been praying for her salvation. Lord, please, Lord, please. And, and we all have those desperate prayers, don't we? And we all know that desperation. And she turned, she shifted her prayer from Lord, please, to thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So, do you want to share something about yourself first before we move into your salvation story? So, the couple that presided over our wedding in July 6, 1975, are sitting here in the audience. Uh, Dick and Reba, Dick married us, Reba sang at the wedding. Um, I've been asked to give my testimony tonight, and I don't have a story that's full of tragedy. You know, I, I lived a really good life, I thought. Um, I was a guy that got the princess, got two beautiful kids, had the fabulous career, firefighter, who doesn't want to be a firefighter or a cop? You know? um, just to give you an idea where my head was, my ego, my pride, um, I let men into burning buildings and 
They called me Super Dave. Lovingly. I do too. Uh, <laughs> and I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I knew I was all that in a bag of chips. There was nothing that I wanted that I didn't get, nothing in my career, nothing in my personal life. I knew that everything that I got, I got because of my hard work. And I knew that I didn't need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was born into and raised in the Catholic Church. I mean, I believed in God. I believed Jesus Christ was his son. What I didn't believe is that I needed a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, again, I was super safe. I was all that. Um, never thought I was a bad guy. Matter of fact, many times uh, when I was around some Christians, I thought, Gee, you know, I'm, <laughs> I act better than that, you know. Uh, so why do I want to be like that? So that's part of the story. My perspective is that I can do anything through Dave. You know, that's, that's what I thought about Dave. I had a pretty big ego. I was pretty prideful about most things. Um, another part of the story is the fact that, and this will become evident in a few minutes, but um, I was raised by a military father, military father with a very heavy hand. If I cried, he beat me. Um, now, don't think bad of my dad. My dad and I had a very good relationship the last 12 years of his life. And, um, you know, we got, we got beyond whatever there was in those, those early years. But it molded me in a sense that What I considered to be emotional weakness was not acceptable and was never seen. My dad went to Vietnam, did a couple of tours of Vietnam. The first one was when I was 12. And as he was stepping onto the steps to go up to the plane, he turned to me and said, you're the man of the house now, son. I was the oldest of four sons. And I took that seriously. Um, I felt like taking care of the entire family was now my responsibility at 12 years of age. Uh, and to further let you know where I stand on the emotional side of things, in addition to my career as a firefighter where you see a lot of things that are very tragic, my own family went through tragedy after tragedy. At 20, I lost my 12-year-old sister to cystic fibrosis. At 21, I lost my mother, who was 46, to cancer. At 27, I held my 20-year-old brother in my arms while he died of cystic fibrosis. Um, several years later, I cleaned up after another brother who committed suicide. Karen and I had raised a nephew, his son, for a few years, and 
We buried him at age 20. Um, I don't say any of that to make you feel sorry for me at all. Um, the point in all that is I didn't shed a tear through any of it. Um, it wasn't acceptable. No time to grieve. You got business to tend to, and that's the man I was. Never show weakness, ever. So here's where it gets uncomfortable, <laughs> emotional. Marcia preached last week about some goings on 10 years ago. Church that fell apart. That church was Karen's church. I knew a lot of people there. I thought that um, because I was Super Dave, that I could affect what was going on. I jumped into the middle of the fray knowing that I was a guy that could influence things. And secondly, I was there to protect my wife from the church. At the same time that's going on, I find myself getting privately very emotional over nothing. My mother was a tremendous singer. Uh, she would always sing Ave Maria, that would come on the radio and I'd break down into tears. Couldn't understand it. Um, the wind would blow and I'd start crying. <laughs> you know, at first I did it from my wife feet. Super Dave is not the guy that falls apart. Finally, I mean, it probably wasn't fooling her, she, she saw it. Um, we started talking about what was going on. And I really kind of thought that and asked her, you think this is the midlife crisis that guys have? That guys go through? You know, I love my wife, but it wasn't looking at any other woman, women, women um, that wasn't on my mind, but I'm, I'm asking her, do you, do you think I'm getting ready to go through a midlife crisis? Other question I started asking her is, you think I'm getting ready to have a nervous breakdown? Bottom line is, I couldn't figure it out. You know, I, I couldn't make sense of it and I couldn't deal with the emotion. <clears throat> Can I interject? <laughs> so, Please. at that point, that was just not too long after the Spirit had led me to start praying prayers of thanks. And so what I knew was that was the Spirit of God working in his life. But I did not feel the liberty and didn't think it was the right time to say, that's the Spirit of God softening your heart. <laughs> I didn't think he would, I don't think he would, didn't think he would understand that. Or Super Dave might not like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So in my heart, I knew that that was what was going on. But I had to keep that in my heart, like Mary did. I pondered it in my heart for a while. So things kept going downhill at 
Karen's church, and um, I kept getting more and more emotional. I was having absolutely no success influencing what was going on. Matter of fact, it probably made it a lot worse. Um, and finally, Karen said to me one day at that church, God has just released me. Yes, her from the church. And she said, we need to leave right now. I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm in the middle of this fight and I'm having a good time. But, um, I'm not there because I'm seeking any relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm there to get in the middle of a fight. Um, so I said to Karen, if you're willing to leave this church, then I will support you and start attending church with you while you're trying to find another church to go to. So I've been praying for years and years and years. I finally have my husband sitting in church with me every Sunday. He's there for the wrong reason, but he's in church with me. And then God says, you're released. And, and that has not been my intent. My intent had been, you know, to stay there. So then my fear and, and you know, the, the enemy tells you lies. My fear was, but if I go somewhere else, what, you know, what's going to happen with him? Because I finally got him in church. I, he's finally in church. And, and so that was a big, big fear on my part. So for him then to say, he would go with me as I searched for a new church. That was, you know, that was a, a, a real gift to me. So we start attending some other churches with a couple of other couples that had attended the same church as Karen. Um, and at the same time, I'm getting more and more emotional privately. The only person that I think is seeing it is Karen. I think I'm doing a pretty good job of hiding it from everybody else. Um, I've retired from the fire service by now, and I'm, I'm a construction superintendent, and uh, the project that I'm working on is a complete HVAC renovation at the Ringling Museum up by the airport, and, and I'm literally standing on the roof of the building every day hiding behind air conditioning units, bawling my eyes out, um, trying to make heads or, heads or, you know, make sense out of why I'm so emotional. Um, you know, why is Super Day falling apart? So, this continues for a while. At this point in my life, I'm 52 years old. I go to sleep one night, and I'm awakened, it's actually, it's December 2nd, 2008. I'm awakened in the middle of the night by a voice. And that voice is clear and clearly saying to me, <clears throat> read John 3.16. Now, I'm not nuts. There's nobody in the 
definitely hear a voice and understand that. God has just spoken to me. Don't know why, but my first inclination was to turn and look at the alarm clock on the nightstand, and it was 3.16 in the morning. So I figured I better be obedient and get up and read John 3.16, and I actually read the entire book of John that night. Uh, but... Now I was digging in my heels. I didn't need this. I didn't need a relationship with Jesus Christ. No way on God's green earth was I going to give in. Even though it was plain as the nose on my face what had been going on. So for the next two weeks, I don't know how I even functioned because I could barely be awake without crying. And finally on December 16th, I'm standing on the roof of Ringling Museum, crying my eyes out. And I realized the decision that I need to make. But I can't make the decision. I can't accept Jesus Christ without caring, being present. So, little funny part of the story here. Um, I called Karen up from the roof of the Ringling Museum and at the same time I'm working construction, I'm building the first phase of the house on our property. So I tell her we need to go out to the property tonight to have a talk. And after everything is all done, <laughs> Karen confided in me that she was very concerned that maybe I was going to ask her for a divorce. <laughs> that uh, I had fallen apart to that extent. So, got off work that night, came home, we ate supper, and then we went out to the property. And I told her, I realized I realize what's been going on. <clears throat> and I understand. <clears throat> Why I've been so emotional. It's not because I want a divorce. It's not because I'm looking at other women. It's not because I have a nervous breakdown. It's because I need to accept
Jesus Christ is my Savior. So that night with Karen by my side, I got down on my hands and knees and asked, Jesus, come into my heart. And he hasn't taken this emotion away. Uh, which is very alien to me. But my wife says, it's God softening my heart. I guess it needed a lot of softening. <laughs> so, fast forward. So fast forward 11, 12 years, actually fast forward 10 years, because Karen and I have found a church, a church that we really like, uh, and then we hear that Marsha and Eric are coming back to town to reestablish Church of God, Sarasota. And Karen and I talked about it, went to the first couple of meetings, and really felt like God was telling us to support Church of God, Sarasota. Support Church of God financially, support them with our presence. So for a while, we would attend the church that we were members of and come attend the Church of God. And we were tithing in two different places and uh, felt like we were being obedient to God and doing exactly what He wanted us to do. And we were excited to see that Church of God was reestablished and was starting to grow. So fast forward another couple of years and COVID hits. And coming out of COVID, Karen and I are feeling like God wants us to be involved even more than we are, than we have been. So we called up Eric and Marsha and said, we'd like to talk to you because we have something on our hearts that we feel like God is leading us possibly to be involved with. And we meet with Eric and Marsha have dinner and lo and behold, um, this has been on their minds for a while too and uh, they were praying that somebody would come forward to sponsor, run, oversee a new life group. Well, not a new life group, but a life group that had been started just before COVID, but then COVID shut it down and two individuals who had done a great job for a couple of visits, you know, decided that they couldn't uh, come on Saturday nights anymore. So we were without anybody to head it up. So we talked for quite a while. I tried to make every excuse in the book why I wasn't a good guy to, uh, you know, be in charge. Um, Marsha and Eric had a defense for every argument that I put up. Uh, 
wouldn't even accept the potty mouth as part of the reason why uh, I wasn't a good, a good fit. So, bones to armies. I was dry bones for. Most of my life. And now God is going to use caring for me to head up the middle through. I don't need any notes. He just did all of that. God redeems it all. Even the tears that you weren't allowed to cry. He's redeemed every single one of them. The life that you lived for years where you just wanted your husband to be with you at church. And you know, I can't imagine when he's finally at church with you, but it wasn't the church you always wanted him to come to. You know, you wanted him to be at church about all those years. And then the church closes and he's with you, but for the wrong reasons. And then God works. And honestly, he was just doing something here. That was really special. He never uses our script. That's right. That's right. He uses a better script. Than we could have ever imagined. And we've had great conversations together. And truly, Eric and I have been praying for the middle-aged group that would be like the 50-something-year-olds, um, maybe 50 or a little bit before 50 or a little bit after 50. Um, that age group right there, not necessarily young adults and not senior adults. And we have been praying. We're like, we just need someone to head it up. You know, we... We're really pouring into a lot of different generations right now, and we will go to that group, but we really need a couple, like an anchor couple, and no joke, we get a message from that he calls us on a random day. Listen, this is bones into armies. This is bones into armies. You heard me say earlier that sometimes he brings us to an altar. That's her story. God brought Karen to an altar at church. And she had that moment to accept Jesus at an altar. But sometimes he takes us to the air conditioning unit on top of Ringling Museum and has us cry it out and wakes us up at 316 and say, read my word. He'll do it his way in your life. And he's working in here tonight. And so guys, this is Bones and Arms. Can we celebrate? Just like Dave, finally gave in. He knew what those 
tears were about. He knew what that emotion was about. It, he finally realized, this is me needing to give up my will and not be super Dave, but link into a Messiah, link into a risen Savior, and accept him as Lord and Savior. And so he did. Dave's life isn't perfect. Karen and Dave, they don't have it all together. They're just growing all the way to heaven, like Eric and myself and all the rest of us. But he is on journey, and his eyes are on you, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that testimony. And God, we thank you that you were growing them still, that you were poking and prodding them, asking them to do even more. And they have risen up and said, we will lead this group. And so we know that they are opening their home, but not just that, they're opening their hearts. And so God, would you bless them tenfold for stepping in on mission as a living, breathing army for the Lord, for this generation that they're going to invite into their homes and into their hearts. God, equip them with your words and your thoughts and the messages that you have for um, that group. Every Sunday night that we gather, Lord, I just pray that you would equip them and encourage them and empower them. And Lord, that they would just be such a great time together of fellowship and faith and furthering your kingdom. God, we thank you for this story. We know that you're the redeemer and it's only because of you that we stand here linking hands and linking hearts. And we just give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, thank you guys again. You, see you guys can see it. I think we're gonna. Um, if I could just have Paige and Tina.